Well, hello there, listeners. This is Jim, the Keys Bartender. If you're not familiar with the Keys Bartender podcast, it's a podcast about bartending and life and Keys life. I am podcasting from, it is so gorgeous today. It's a beautiful day. It was raining this morning. I went to the gym at around 7.30, and now it's just sunny, a little humid, you know, this interminable summer keeps on going and going and going. But, uh, you know, in the first half of the show, I like to talk a little about bartending, but I also like to talk about things that happen in bars. And I wanted to talk about something I'm a little harsh on. I've been harsh on previous shows years ago on karaoke. Uh, karaoke, and I just have these hard feelings. It's like one of those people that were traumatized when they were a child, and then all of a sudden they can't stand clowns or uh, ice cream trucks. You know, just something happened horrible, and you're just triggered by it. And for some reason, karaoke does it to some people. It uh, my reaction seems like I'm triggered, but not not really. So, but let let me go into. If you're not familiar with it, uh, where have you been the last forty five, fifty years? Uh, because uh, well, no, I say forty five. I remember in the eighties when karaoke started making its way over here. It was invented in 1971, and I'm going to massacre this Japanese guy's name, Dasuki Inoue. Uh, he created it, and um, it the word karaoke is a Japanese word, and it the kara means empty, and oki is orchestra. It, the literal translation, the tr direct translation of karaoke is sing without music, or some people may say singing without talent. Okay, now the first part, I'm going to describe some of the most horrible things, and this is part of bar life. So there's the bartender thing, and you're going to have to cope with this at some some bars. And people are, there's karaoke people and there's non-karaoke people. And there's a lot of bartenders that become non-karaoke people for some reason. But uh, the thing is, uh, the way you perceive it is something that happens, let's say if you have a karaoke night and it's your night, let's say it's on a Wednesday night and you work Wednesday nights. They introduce karaoke and it sticks. And then every week you will hear, these are some of the top 10 songs that people would like to not hear again. And uh, I got this from a site, but I mean, it's pretty accurate, but they're missing some glaring, glaring omissions here. Um, one of them is a boys to men song. Uh, I'll make love to you, which yes, I agree with these people. That is a weird song to sing. And who are you going to be live? Who are you going to be? How are you going to lock eyes with people when you're singing? I'll make love to you, and it's boys to men. Boys to men, man, they got amazing voice. You better, you better be like on the cast of Glee or one of her. What is, what is that show? There's a movie out there about the uh, acapella group singings and stuff like that. Uh, Paradise by the Dashboard Lights, that's um, Meatloaf, 
which there's a shit ton. I mean, why people would sing that? Because there is a middle part where there's a baseball announcer and they're using a metaphor for the guy going ahead with uh, his romantic things with the girl by, you know, first base, second base, third base. And you got the guy, the news, uh, the baseball announcer narrating that part where you're not singing that a stairway to heaven, a good big ass guitar solo. You're never going to match uh, the thong song. I don't, I don't remember hearing that too often. That's a hard song to thing, uh, sing, thing. <laughs> See, it's a hard song to even say, thong song. But um, uh, it wasn't me by Shaggy. Oh my God, when I was on my um, honeymoon in Jamaica, we went on some sail cruise. When this is my first marriage, we went on it. It should have been a harbinger of my the the way the marriage was going. They played that song ten times on this catamaran that we were snorkeling on. And it's like, hey guys, you got any other song? It was a big hit in Jamaica, I guess. But uh, I really haven't heard that too often. Baby by Bieber? No, not necessarily. My way, Frank Sinatra. Jesus, I may even have sung that. I may have even sung my way because that's a, they, you know, that song, if you go to a busy karaoke night, there'll be like three, four people singing that song. Adele, oh my God, who's going to sing an Adele song? You know, unless you're on America's Got Talent or uh, whatever the song, the singing show. So I know I should know that, but, I'm, you know, I don't watch. Set Fire to the Rain. That's Adele. I mean, uh, Lose Yourself, Eminem, and I Will Always Love You by Whitney Houston. Lose Yourself, Eminem. I, I use that in spin, but I mean, I can't imagine saying that. And I, I Will Always Love You. Okay, how can you hit the heights that Whitney Houston hits? Stuff like that. But there's so many other songs I remember. Every Rose Has Its thorn, Thorns. Um, Angel by Sarah McLachlan, which is one of the saddest songs around. Why you want to sing that? Bohemian Rhapsody, you know, Queen, Margaritaville. God damn. Um, Smelled Like Teen Spirits, My Heart Will Go On by that French-Canadian lady. Uh, I keep on forgetting her name. Ice Baby Ice, Vanilla Ice. Uh, and the one that no one listed on all the lists that I've seen was that I was hearing at almost every karaoke thing I go to is uh, Bobby McGee by Janis Joplin. And Janis Joplin had this really high range, loud range that she could sing on. And she was excellent. But I guess anybody with a voice that could really scream sings that, you, you just hear. And you know why they got a list of these songs? Because a lot of people sing these songs and you hear them. And if you go and work every week, you may hear the same people singing the same song and they'll alter the words to it, right? There was uh, someone who, um, I, I, you know, people want to know, but someone, uh, I used to fill in for a bartender who worked regularly at karaoke night. I thought she liked it. But it turns out she hated working karaoke nights, and she kept on asking me to fill in for her. And she was so such a nice person that I would fill in for her. And I filled in maybe four karaoke nights, not in a row, but I think I may have done two in a row one time. But 
And those four karaoke nights, most of the people that were singing were there all the time. Every so often, there'd be a guy dressed up like Elvis coming in. And he didn't really, he sounded a bit like Elvis, but pretty much like anybody sounds like Elvis, maybe. You know, thank you, thank you very much. So it's it's really easy to understand why some people get all worked up about it. And there's also kind of stereotypical behavior uh, for people that go to karaoke nights that sing at it. Sometimes they may bring their friends. Usually it's just them by themselves. Uh, if they come with their friends, their friends will egg them on to go up there and sing a song. And they'll sing one of those. They'll, there is a good chance that almost all those songs on a busy night, if they're singing like 50, 60 songs, all those songs would be sung. If it's a diverse crowd. If it's a diverse crowd. Now, when I was working, I would always pray that someone would be drunk enough to do something like uh, a married couple singing, uh, coming up with a, a real thing to sing, Time to Say Goodbye. Uh, that's by Botticelli, the Italian opera singer, and Sarah Brightman. That It's a duet. That would be hilarious time to say goodbye. I think part part of it's in Italian. It was in Step Brothers at the end of the movie at the uh, Catalina Wine Mixer. If you want to hear the song, or you can just look Time to Say Goodbye. You can look that up. Or you can look up Step Brothers, Will Ferrell singing Time to Say Goodbye, which was hilarious. Uh, another one is um, maybe someone singing that's clearly deranged singing, they're coming to take me away and really meaning it. That would be great. But the reason I'm doing this show is not only for the, uh, doing this episode and talking about karaoke, it's not just to be a hater. I'm not a hater. You know, I understand these people have diverse interests, very diverse interests. But it does, one of the maddening things about any job that you have is the repetitive nature of your activities, the repetitive nature of the conversations. They're almost like automatic and reflexive. And that is really apparent when you come to a regular karaoke night and you have a, a big regular audience. And usually bars that do it are doing it to increase business. But some of the things, you know, the stereotypically um, karaoke singers don't drink a lot. The ones that sing regularly don't drink a lot. Or, or you know, they don't eat if they have a restaurant. And it's just one of the things. They think they're the performer. And actually, they're being entertained too. Karaoke is to entertain people. Uh, the performer is really the person that's running the kar karaoke machine. I know, I know. It sounds in it, in it, anti, uh, like against all those things. I, I can't even say I was going to anti-ethical or something like that. Antethical, whatever the word is, it goes and it flies in opposition to it. That the people that are up singing are the people also being entertained as an activity. At much as if they were playing a video game or pool or shuffle, shuffleboard. And the thing is, tonight, 
they're having a karaoke night at the bar I work with. And it's not one of many karaoke nights to come. Wow. Because it's it's a one night, it's a fundraiser. And everyone that comes to sing is going to be a original because I won't have another karaoke night to compare it to. Hopefully there's newer songs and things like that. And they'll just be you know, they'll they'll just be going and doing the songs and there'll be a couple, I'm sure there's going to be a couple of repeats. You know, people say, watch me do it. I could do it, but this song better, blah, 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 blah. And I, I think I'm going to find it interesting. I think it's going to find, find it interesting. And I think it's nice though, when, um, if, if I look at it that way, I'm able to become more accepting of karaoke and the people that like it because I don't like to have hard feelings about it and say, you know, and come and see here, hear someone sing a song. There's usually a reason people like a certain song. I like certain songs. I like to hear sung by uh, the person who originally made it famous, like a Whitney Houston or uh, for me, Bruce Springsteen or, or, Let's say Michael Bolton, <laughs> not necessarily Michael Bolton. I'm not a big fan, but Otis Redding, right? Or Ray Charles. I picked, I happen to pick two African American singers, but there's a lot, you know, there's just songs out there that are, for some reason, are iconic and they really lend itself, like Freddie Mercury singing a Queen song, Bohemian Rhapsody. You don't want to hear Yakov Smirnov singing that song. But I really found out that, you know, some people, just because someone likes something like NASCAR or curling, just because you don't find it interesting and you don't find it entertaining, doesn't mean it isn't interesting and entertaining. And that's the business of the bar. Now, if it's the bottom line, you know, I always tell people like, uh, I know in, in the business, I said, if you have a, a bar and you think live entertainment is right for you and you bring live entertainment and your receipts don't go up commensurate to the amount of money you're laying out, meaning if you're losing more money with a band, the, the money you pay the band and the resources you use lose and all that stuff, if you're not making more money, and you're doing the live entertainment to increase your sales and increase business, increase draw, then, you know, maybe you should not do that. And the same thing goes for karaoke. You can't, you don't want a bunch of tables taken up from people that drink a Diet Coke and water and tea and having a couple appetizers when normally you get a table of people and they're having dinner and appetizers and drinks and, and dessert. You know, come and eat. So you, your job as a business is to make money. But after that, after you make your money, it's also entertaining folks, right? Having them entertained if it's that kind of place, right? You know, all different places have different sticks. I used to go, there was a Victor's Cafe in, in South Philadelphia. I used to like going there. I went there about three, four times. It was a, uh, um, I'm a, a one of my first date places, and the 
the servers and workers there were always they're all were opera students or you know want uh, you know not wannabes they're actually going to college studying music and and they would stop in the middle of service and ring a bell and they go and start singing Italian opera or some opera whatever in some a- area and it was really beautiful and it really lent an air to the, the food was good it was Italian food but it wasn't that wasn't the biggest attraction the biggest attraction was that the atmosphere and it was it was great so and the way I would view it with the karaoke I'm just saying hey listen if that's what people want that people like and it brings in and makes them happy I should be happy with that too and not be like a sour person about that so that's all I'm saying. And I'm going to blend that into my personal life with the likes and dislikes. You know, automatically, you know, sometimes when you um, you see someone or something, you'll have an automatic bias on whether you like it or not. A food, like for, for some crazy reason, uh, I do not like curry. C-U-R-R-Y, the, the seasoning. And something happened years ago where I had a meal and I got some intestinal distress. And it was while I was a turnpike and I barely made it home. I don't even know if I made it home exactly. I won't go into great details. There's no reason. You have a good, good imagination. You're all grown up. You understand what happens when your body doesn't react to a food. So after that, I just associated that taste with something unpleasant. And it's stuck there. It is stuck there. I don't even like the smell of it. And it's kind of weird because jerk has uh, jerk spice has a little bit of hint sometimes of curry. But when I eat that, it doesn't really, it kind of changes. It started changing my view of curry. And maybe uh, you may have heard the studies that every so often your taste receptors change. Your taste change, the way you appreciate taste. And that could be happened. That could be, a, that could have happened several times since this, because this happened, oh my gosh, 30 something years ago. And I'd like to do that in almost anything, unless there's something morally wrong with something. There's no reason, if if it's neutral or a positive thing, and there's not too many hard feelings I got about positive things. I think neutral uh, things, I mean, not, it's easy to have a negative feeling about something that's horrible, like war, starvation, uh, um, horrible uh, neurological events, Right? It's easy to it's easy to have hard feelings, but you know to carry hard feelings about things like I said previously about karaoke or about certain types of people, which I've learned over the years that I can just have an impression of someone when it come in, and they hardly ever fit into that impression. Hardly, hardly ever. There's always. When it come in, a lot of times I've been really surprised when my instinct is, I really 
don't take a shine to somebody, if I really drop that feeling and give it a go, I mean, give them a go, listen to them, talk to them, that they I'm usually prove me, prove that instinct wrong. You know, you may argue that, you know, your gut is usually right. Your gut is usually right. In a lot of cases, maybe, maybe it is. But, you know, sometimes that could be a bias. Gut instinct could be a bias and you could just have a bias. You know, have a lot, like dogs may, uh, that are abused by, let's say, a tall, blue-eyed white man. I don't know if it's blue-eyed because I don't think dogs see color. But uh, they may bark at every tall, uh, dark-haired white man. And that's a bias because that each person isn't the same. You don't shouldn't react to a person because you have, uh, you know, people aren't aren't the same. Now, you whether you think it or not, uh, uh, people have a tendency that's a stereotype and all that stuff. Then that's a bigger, deeper issue with people. But I'm just talking about the feeling with people that kind of like sometimes there's someone that comes in and kind of look like you and you're that, but some man your mannerism that they have will lend you to think, well, this person thinks that they're kind of full of themselves and they're dismissive and things like that. And you'll just not take a shine to them. Uh, but then you talk to them and then you realize, oh, they had something else going through their mind. And, uh, they're on the phone. Sometimes, you know, obviously you're, you're, sometimes people will prove your gut reaction right, but that is up to them by their behavior to do that. You don't have to take that feeling for what it's worth as long as you're not exposing yourself to some risk. If you're a girl, you don't get into a car with a stranger. You have a gut feeling against and stuff like that. You give it a little time, make sure you're safe, make sure you're not drinking a, you know, an unintended drink that was sitting there for a while. I wanted to talk about that some some on a future show about those things changing that Mickey thing, but that that's important. You know, you know, if you're a vulnerable person, part of a. a vulnerable population in a certain place, let's say. You're a girl in a room full of guys. Your job is to remain safe. So, But that doesn't necessarily play a hand in what I'm talking about, accepting people for who they are, right? You got to first, you got to make yourself safe. But I mean, prejudging somebody or a situation or a food or a culture or a situation, like, I do that a lot when I have a thing and something's going on, like at work tonight. I mentioned earlier, it's karaoke, and I can automatically think in my head, this, this is going to be horrible. Or I can start thinking, this is going to be different, and this is going to be interesting. And there's going to be, you know, you can say, oh, there's going to be, uh, you know, a lot of uh, different people here. It won't be the same. I'm thinking, hey, that's going to be great. I just realized how squeaky this chair is. I'm going to really have to change that around here. Because you may think it's my body, right? But um, getting back to the purpose. So what I was driving at is like getting rid of bias, stereotype as much as you can. 
the, uh, there's something we use in one of my in the program that I attend. I, it's called contempt prior to investigation. If you don't know, and this isn't, I'm not applying it to the political differences, which would really be good too, political. But if you don't know the uh, the basis for your dislike, and you don't investigate your basis for some dislike you have of anything, you're really doing a disservice. If you're afraid to do it because you say, well, I don't want to change this attitude I had because I had this attitude, I was, I'm comfortable being the way I am. It's like one of those 1960 parents that see all these hippies and stuff like that and say, oh, they're just potheads, blah, blah, blah. They're not doing anything. And then all of a sudden, you know, they talk to them and they realize, well, they're all about love and peace and understanding. And that's really not a bad thing. Love, peace, and understanding. That's kind of that's kind of a nice thing. Why would I have a problem with it? And yeah, they're a little high and stuff like that. You know, once sometimes people just got, once they got to know people instead of just like hating someone because they're a hippie or because someone's wearing a uniform. I was in college. I was in Navy ROTC and one of the uniforms, we had these uh, black utilities before I would go uh, on, on Thursday, we'd have our drill. Uh, before we had classes, and we would show up at seven o'clock in the morning, and we'd be in uniform. You got to have, you know, really neat uniform. You have it be well groomed and all that stuff. And one of the uniforms we had was a black shirt, black pants, black tie, black shoes, and it really looked, you know, it's it's a navy. It does have a, a very militaristic and conservative look to it, but it's just a look. It's not an attitude or philosophy, but I, uh, at one point I got a really short, short haircut, even shorter than, uh, almost like you see in Marine recruits, uh, because the barber went to with a group of friends, we went in and impress our drill instructor, which was a gunnery sergeant. And he had 20 plus years and we figured we want to get a high and tight from him, the college barber who was in the student union building. And he said, we want to get a Marine haircut. And he goes, well, okay. And he just shaved our heads down to like a half inch. So we, we look like Sluggo from the Bazooka Zoe comic books. If you're familiar with that, if you just put Sluggo in, just as you see these, you know, just these short hairs poking out your head in a perfectly uh, circular fashion, which is your head. No, not perfectly circle because anybody have a perfectly circle head, that'd be kind of freaky. But when you're walking down the street wearing a black shirt, black pants, black tie, black shoes, with that hair, it had a tendency to look a very neo-Nazi. And I realized that impression. But once people got to know us, because it took a while for the hair to grow back. They realized, oh, these that's just Navy ROTC uh, 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 um, students. And that's the uniform they got to wear for today. But normally he's wearing like a, a fraternity shirt, polo shirt, you know? So, I, I mean, I could be the victim of that. I mean, if they saw me coming, they'd say, well, I don't know what to expect from this guy. 
And uh, thankfully, uh, a lot of people would just say, hey, you know, this doesn't really look like a becoming uh, a good look for you. I remember an English teacher, an English professor asking me a question. And I think I was in uniform at the time. She called me over and stuff like that. And I think she was biased against my views, even though I was, I was a pretty progressive student. Pretty progressive, even though I was in Navy ROTC. I mean, I was national security type, but I was pretty progressive. And I was trying to be. You know, I was trying to be open-minded, and I, I just had a feeling that she didn't, she always kind of viewed my outlook from a more, you know, with a pre-expected conservative bent to it, which it wasn't me at the time either. But um, like I said, there's no reason to necessarily go into certain situations with uh, those kind of biases, unless you need it, unless you need to make yourself secure, but you don't want to do that to the detriment of the activity, person, or belief system. If if it's not necessary, think about it. Examine your examine your thoughts and say, "Well, then, do I have to be this way? Oh, well, I'm going to a known high crime area. I got to be careful." Well, yes, you should be careful. Maybe if you don't have to go there, don't go there. Right. But if it's in a situation where you're not threatened, there's no possibility really. I mean, there's always a possibility, but it's a little astronomical uh, odds against it. Then it's best to lose those biases if you're not under any any t typical threat or security problem. And that's all I have for today. Thank you for listening. I noticed I still have my uh, gear on sale, the bar Keys Bartender gear on sale at the website www.keysbartender.com if you want to check it out. Uh, we we're having a problem with PayPal. I know there's other ways to pay. I just got to, uh, the only problem I'm having is trying to figure out, you know, I mean, I have it linked and for some reason uh, it's not a security problem with PayPal. And the, the only worst problem is that it sends money back to the people, which is good for you. But not necessarily for us. But if you'd like to buy some gear, try try it out. Keysbartender.com. This is Jim the Keys Bartender. I'll be back on another day. Have a great one. Bye.